Last week I shared that I believe we're coming into a new season as a church. And I shared about the fact that this season isn't just going to happen, but it's a season that we have to fight for. It's a season we have to work for. And we talked about the first way that we fight as Christians is not what we expect, but the first way that we fight is by humbling ourselves under God's mighty hand, by humbling ourselves before God. And I talked about the fact that humility is simply us acknowledging that God is the creator and we are the created. That means if he is the creator and we are the created, we live our lives depending upon him because we need to see ourselves the way God sees us. And God sees us as in need of his grace and his help and that we can't do life without him. Even the breath in our bodies is a gift from God or a sign that God's life is in us. And so today I want to have a look at this idea of the fight that we're called to and we're going to look at it from the perspective of the armour of God that God gives us. I left my clicker. And obviously everyone knows the armour of God scripture. Ephesians 6 verses 10 to 17. So Paul says here, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armour so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies, all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armour, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armour of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you today for your Word. And we just pray that as this Word goes out, that you would speak into our hearts, that you would challenge us, that you would transform us, and that you would conform us into the image of your wonderful Son, as you had planned from the beginning. In Jesus' name, amen. So this passage is really clear. It shows us that along with being part of God's family and along with being part of God's body, God has also called us to be a part of his army. He's called us to be soldiers in his army. And Paul uses this picture of armour to, to explain this to us and he, he explains that we need to put on this armour, we need to be wearing this armour because wearing the armour is critically important to us winning this battle or to us walking as God wants us to walk. And so God hasn't just given us this armour to be admired, he has made it really clear that we need to put 
on the whole armor of God, if we are going to overcome all the trials and difficulties that we encounter in this world. So as simply as I can say it, is the armor is there to be used. Now you think, well, yep, I, I get that, Ben, that makes sense. But I want to explain this a bit deeper because Paul was writing this in the time, in Roman times, the, the wonderful era when the Italians ruled the world. Remember that time? Brought civilization to the modern world. Um, but in that time, the Romans ruled the world for many, many years. But there's a really interesting story. So Paul's telling, using this imagery of armor, and he's thinking about, obviously, Roman soldiers. And as he's telling this story, I was thinking about that, and I've, I discovered... Uh, a piece of writing by one of the historians of the time who was explaining why Rome fell, why it, it actually fell. And, and um, he says these words, um, they had the mightiest armies ever seen up until that time. And yet the seemingly invincible legions of the Roman Empire eventually fell to these unorganized ransacking hordes who were once confined to Rome's far borders. So what happened to make that possible? How, how could this be? And he says, actually many things happened that led to their defeat, but one of them was clearly spelled out by a 4th century Roman general. He said this, and listen to this, it's really important for us to understand for our own experience as Christians. When because of negligence and laziness, Parade ground drills were abandoned. That's basically talking about practice, practicing and, and, arm, and marching in the armor. Um, the customary armor that they wore began to feel heavy since the soldiers rarely, if ever, wore it. Therefore, they asked the emperor to set aside the breastplates and the mail and then also the helmets. So this general says so our soldiers fought the goths without any protection for their heart or their head and they were often beaten by archers although there were many disasters which led to the loss of cities no one tried to restore the armor to the infantry they took the armor off and when the armor came off so too came their integrity so it's a really powerful lesson for us to learn here as Christians. Because as Christians, just like the Roman soldiers, we can get caught up in life. Isn't that right? And we can forget to pay attention to the most important things of the Christian life. Which is everything that the armour of God represents to us. You see, the armour of God represents our position in Christ. So if we take these things for granted, when attacks come, when life gets difficult and all the challenges of our world come our way, we face them unprepared. So the armour of God is not just a nice word picture, but it's a solid grounding for us to build our lives upon. This is what Elaine was sharing. It was so powerful. She was sharing how she arms herself for what life is. Has. It's really interesting that she arms herself with Jesus. And we're going to talk about that some more because 
the first way the armor grounds us is that it's no accident that it's called God's armor. Do you notice that it doesn't say up there, put on Ben's armor? It doesn't say put on Steve's armor. It doesn't even say put on the Adelaide Crows armor. As good as they played last night. Is that right? You definitely wouldn't put on Port Powell's armor. But um, I'll just leave that. I had to get it in, sorry. Don't walk out. I love Port Power people as well. But the fact is, the armour belongs to God. And he wants to us to wear his armour. So that means to me, when we come to putting on the armour, we're not putting on our own armour. It's not about our skills and our abilities and our strengths. It's all about God giving us his strength and ability. So in other words... The only way we can stand firm and overcome the demands that this world throws at us is by using God's armour. God has given, this means that God has given us everything that we need to overcome life's challenges. God has given us everything we need. We can't give us everything we need to get through this. We need to rely on God's resource and God's gifts. And so if we try to use our own strength, we're going to struggle because as this passage says, this is not a natural battle. It's a spiritual battle. So it makes sense to overcome these things. We need to use God's spiritual resource. This, uh, we, we need to use weapons that are spiritually based, that God gives us himself. So this is really important because, yes, number one, it's God's armour, but the incredible thing is that God gives us his armour. Think about that for a moment. Each piece of armour that God gives us actually represents a gift from God to us. Isn't that incredible? We're going to go through it in a moment. But if you want to know what God has given you so that you can stand firm and that you can stand strong, then you only need to look at each of the elements of the armour of God to realise this is who I am in God. This is what God is about. This is, the, this is how I should live my life. This is, I should live my life standing in these things, not in my own confidence, but in God's confidence in me. That he has done all these things and given me all these things so I can stand firm. So we're going to go through each of these elements each of these pieces of armor and explain what that means that God has given us because they're not just things that God is that God has pulled out of the air and said oh let's have a belt of truth and have a chest plate of righteousness and have this just for for whatever he's given them to us for a reason and for a purpose to represent what he has done for us so the first one of, in God's armour, is the belt of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so what does the belt of truth represent? It simply represents Jesus. As Elaine shared about her friend, I was so excited because I think that's exactly what I want to share with you today, is that the belt of truth is, a, is symbolic of God giving us Jesus. 
And when he gave us Jesus, as we sang today, he gave us an, a, a true reflection, an authentic reflection of who God is in the flesh. So before Jesus came, man, mankind sort of wandered around trying to work out who God was and God gave them certain things like the Torah and, and different things through men like Moses and others. And, and it gave them a glimpse of what God is like, but they didn't get the full picture. But the Bible teaches us that when Jesus came, we got the full picture of what God is like. And all of a sudden you discover that God is a God, as Elaine said, of love. He's not a God that hates us. He is a God that loves us and bestows his best to us, that he would give us Jesus. And so in Jesus, we have this amazing truth of what God is and who God is. And so we don't have to wander around wondering. All we need to do is go to God's word, read about Jesus, and we go, that's what you're like, God. That's your heart towards me. That's what you're all about. And so we're to, as, as Paul says, we're to gird our, our whatever this is, our stomach, our, our uh, bellies, our loins. Our loins. Sounds wrong. But uh, we're, to, we're to wrap it around us. We're to be wrapped, by, wrapped around by Jesus, that he covers us and, 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 and secures us and holds us strong. And so when we're faced with the lies that the world would throw at us, because the world throws us all sorts of lies at us, doesn't it? It tells us lies like, to be successful, you have to have lots of money in the bank. To be successful, you need to have a, aim for a high position in life. You need to step up to this, this place and you've got to work hard for it. Or to be successful, you've got to look good. You've got you to really... Yeah, you know, look at these things they call social media and Instagram or whatever, and these people that are perpetuating this lie that they look good on the surface, it looks amazing, but then you don't see what's actually happening behind the scenes and what's really going on. So we we like perpetuate this lie that what the way you look is what is most important, isn't that right? And but Jesus comes to us and he shows us this is not what matters. He says it's not about the way you look or how much you have. It's not about, you know, you can store up all the treasures you want on earth, but what does that benefit a man if he loses his own soul, if he is not right with God? And so Jesus gives us the truth that the only way is through him, that he is the truth and that we find our, our purpose and we find who we are in him. That's why he says, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And all these things will be taken care of. So the first thing is the belt of truth. The second thing the Bible teaches us is the breastplate of righteousness. So we are made right with God and, and receive righteousness, not because of anything we do, but because of Jesus' perfect sacrifice for us. So it's not about the right things we do. It's all about the righteousness of Christ, of Jesus. It's interesting that the breastplate of righteousness covers our heart or protects our heart. 
So Jesus wants to turn our hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. And he wants to cover our hearts with his righteousness. That means that I continually need to come to him and throw myself on his righteousness. Not my own righteousness. I need to come to him and and continually thank him for his goodness and his righteousness to me. Through confession and repentance, continually coming to him and saying, God, I need you. God, I'm sorry for the things that I've mistakes I've made, but I know that it's not be, nothing I can do, but it's only your righteousness that covers me. The Bible says that Jesus clothes us in his robe of righteousness. Our righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. It's just nothing, not worth it. And nothing we can do can, can make us right. It's only The only way we can be made right is through what Jesus has done. So being right with God has nothing to do with our behavior. It has everything to do with God's behavior towards us. And this is what God has given us. He's given us, he's exchanged our rags for his robe of righteousness, his breastplate of righteousness that we can stand right before God because of what Jesus has done. So the first gift is Jesus, but the next gift he gives us is Jesus' righteousness. How good is that? So we don't have to worry now about whether we stand right before God because we, when God looks at us, he sees Jesus in us. Isn't that cool? Amazing. I'm excited about it, even if you're not. <laughs> is that all right? All right, the next one, it gets even better. Come on. The shoes of the gospel of peace. Here's the good news. What is the good news? What is the good news that Jesus came to declare? This is the good news. The good news is that we are no longer enemies of God. The Bible says we were enemies of God. But when Jesus came and died on the cross and rose again, he dealt with that and he made peace between us and God. How good is this? That we have peace between us and God now. That God no longer looks to, to judge us and destroy us, but he looks and he wants to have peace between us. And that's why he sent Jesus, so that we could have peace. And this is, it, it doesn't stop there. This is the message of Christianity and I want you to hear this because he doesn't just make peace between us and God. Guess what else he does? He makes peace between us all together, all of us. Paul said it this way, there's no longer Jew or Gentile in God's kingdom. God does not discern whether he'll bless you determined on your nationality or where you come from. He blesses you with peace with each other because of what Jesus has done. So guess what? We have peace now because of Jesus with each other. We don't have to look at each other as competition. We can see each other as brothers and sisters. I hate it when Christianity causes division and tries to separate people because Jesus never came to do that. He only ever came to bring people together. He did not bring us to be these people that protest and cause all sorts of ruckus. He caused us to bring peace to the world. We're called to be ministers of reconciliation. 
not to be ones that bring division. And this is really, really important because the gospel of peace is this understanding that God wants to give us a peace that is beyond understanding, the Bible says. And so God gives us this amazing peace. To, where does he tell us to put it? On our feet. What's that tell you? That wherever we go, we are to bring peace. Isn't that right? So wherever you go, whatever environment, you're not there to bring trouble. You're there to bring peace. Throughout the New Testament, the, the church leaders would continually say, live peaceable lives. To honour God. Because God gave his life to bring peace between man and God. How much more are we to bring, give our lives to bring peace with each other? This is what God has called us to. This is what God has given us, these shoes of peace, so that we can live lives of peace. The next thing he gives us is the shield of faith. In Romans 12:3, it tells us really clearly that God gives to each one of us a measure of faith. So even the faith we have to believe in God is a gift from God. How incredible is that? Everything God gives us is, is amazing. And so the idea of this is now we have the privilege of living out our faith in our actions. So it's like James says it like this, is um, it's, it's one thing to say you believe, but even the devil believes in God. So what you need to do is actually live what you believe so your life should be affected and changed by who you know God to be so God's gift to us is to give us faith that as we abide in him as we live in him that we would then live out what we know of him to the world around us so what James says if a brother comes to you and knocks on your door and asks for food don't just say, oh, let, uh, let me just pray for you and just pray that it might comfort you. He says, actually, do it. Because faith without works is dead. So you actually have to practice your faith. You have to actually put action to your faith. So the, the shield of faith that God gives us is there to help us live out what God teaches us. And it's really important that we actually put it into practice so you see these these different things all these gifts from God are amazing gifts to help us live out our lives in him and to combat all the things that come against us because our world tells us just look after yourself just look after number one and you'll be okay but the the shield of faith tells us no I'm going to live for God and my life is going to be lived for others because that's what Jesus taught me to do because that's what he exampled to me to do, that he lived his life for others to the point where he was willing to lay his life down for all of us. And he said, what did he say to us? If you love me, obey my commandment. What's his commandment? To love one another as I have loved you. The, f the next piece of armour that God gives us is salvation, the helmet of salvation. As we know, God's free gift is salvation. 
By grace, through faith, by grace, he has saved us. Not by works, lest any man should boast. So our eternal security is because of what Jesus has done for us. And the amazing thing is that cannot be taken away from us. What Jesus has done cannot be taken away from us. This is, it's yours for eternity. If only we'd understand this gift of salvation that he has given us and the, the amazing freedom and liberty that has brought upon us. It's incredible. But God says, stand in my salvation. Stand in it. Stand in what I've done for you, what, what I've, I've given you eternal life forever. And the final piece of armour is the sword of the Spirit or the Word of God. The simple fact is God has given us his word to guide us into all truth so that we can live according to his will. This is the thing. We don't fight this battle on our own. Just like Jesus fought this battle when he was here on earth. What did Jesus use when he was tempted by the enemy? He used the word of God. And man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So God has given us his word to help us understand the victory that we live in. We are not defeated. We are victorious because of what God has done. And so the word of God tells us that story. It reveals that narrative that we live in God's freedom now. So putting on God's armor simply means all these things that God has given us, which means conscious consciously choosing to apply the position and resource God has given to you as the way that you will respond to everything that happens from living in this world. As Elaine so beautifully put with her cycle, it's her responding to everything life throws at you through the, the lens of Jesus, through the lens of the armour. So what that tells me which is a, a really interesting thought and they use in sporting circles, is like sometimes some athletes think, I want to get the edge, I want to get the edge. And, and so they think, um, I need to focus on my weaknesses. Whereas a lot of sporting psychologists these days, they say, don't worry about your weaknesses, just focus on your strengths. And, and, as, and, and that will get you through. And this is the idea that what God is saying is, don't concentrate on your weaknesses on your lack or the things that you don't have. Rather, focus on the things that make you strong. What are the things that make us strong? God's truth, God's righteousness, God's peace, God's faith, God's salvation, and God's word. These are the things that make us strong. So when we're living in this world and the world puts pressure on us and attacks us and tempts us, and, 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 it, and it, it tries to pressure you and tempt you to retreat back to your old self. Because that's what happens is things happen around us and the pressure comes in and, and the idea is, I'm just going to go back to where it was easy. So I'll just keep living in my old self where, where I'll think, I'll, I'll revert back to the old ways of thinking where I'll look after me first and not worry about anyone else or I'll get what I want and I don't care about anyone else or, or the old ways of coping. So we'll, we'll go back to the bottle or the cigarettes or the drugs or the different things that help us cope 
And, and so we'll just keep doing that because the pressure's just too much, so I'll just do that stuff. So you go back to the old ways of living, but the truth is what God says to us is we must learn to deal with the dark times and the difficult times by reminding ourselves ourselves what God has done for us in the light. You see, all these things are what God has done for us. So when the pressures come, we're to stand in what God has done for us. That's why God says, don't give up ground, don't retreat, stand firm, put on the armor and stand firm. Defy the attacks of the world and the attacks and the pressures of the world by remembering that each piece of armor that you have represents what I have done for you. Represents not just what I have done for you, but what I have founded you in. What I have given you. That this is what I have given you freely. That you would take it and put it on and stand in that. Stand in the, in, in the fact that you have Jesus in you now. Stand in the fact that his peace is yours and his righteousness is yours. All these things are yours. Let me explain this as I, I sort of wrap up. And I'll explain each piece of armor and, and how we can use it to, to deal with the lies and the difficulties that come into our life. You see, the world tells you that you can't do it. But God's truth, the belt of truth, says this. Greater is he that is in me, Jesus, than anything that's in the world. Isn't that right? Isn't that what the word says? So when those lies come saying, you can't do it, oh, it's too hard, you, you go to God's truth that says that greater is he that is in you than anything else in the world. When the world tells you that your mistakes and your wrong choices are unforgivable, God's righteousness that he gives us says this, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not even your mistakes. That if we come to God and confess our sins, he will forgive us our sins, it says. He will not hold back from you. This is God's righteousness that he makes it right. When the world says to be worried about your future, because our, if you watch the news, you get worried about the future. Isn't that right? What does, what does God's peace say? God's peace says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be taken care of. In that whole passage in, in Matthew 6, it, it, Jesus talks all about worries. All about the worries. Uh, and, and how can you even add a day with all these worries? But then he gives the answer and the solution, his peace, which says, if you just seek first the kingdom of God, all the other stuff will be taken care of. You don't have to worry. Just put on my peace. The world says to be afraid. But God's faith, the faith, shield of faith that he gives us, says, fear not, God says to us. For I am with you. Perfect love casts out all fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. 
The world says that God's given up on you. You've gone too far this time. You've made one too many mistakes. But God's salvation, the salvation that he gives us, the helmet of salvation, says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. The world says it's hopeless. What's the point? But God's word, the sword of the spirit says to us, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And here's the exciting thing. I've talked about a lot of exciting things today, but here's the crunch. Here's the kicker. At the end of all of this, Paul tells us once we put on all of this armour, what's the next thing he says? Verse 18. And then he says, you've done all this, you've put on all the armour, you've stand, stood firm, put on the, the sword of the Spirit, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then he says this. And then at the end, and then he says, says this, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So once we put on this armour, what are we to do? Obviously we're ready for a fight because you don't put on armour for anything else but to fight. But we need to understand that God's way of fighting is different to the world's way of fighting. And so what does God ask us to do? As I said last week, we fight by taking up the posture of humility. And there is no greater posture of humility than prayer. Isn't that right? There's no greater way to humble yourself than to come to God and pray and to seek him for all that you have. So we put on all this armour and then God says to us, what's next? You wage war through prayer. Chronicles 7.14 says this, as we know, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. As I've said here before this year, one thing I've discovered about prayer that I never really fully understood uh, before this year is that prayer is simply us responding to God. So often I thought prayer was me getting God's attention. God, what do you, help me, I need your attention. But the reality is prayer is us responding to God because God is always speaking. God is always communicating. God is always reaching out to us. We don't serve a God who is silent or a God who is not working or active. We serve a God who is always communicating. So the armour, even the armour that he gives us is him giving to us so that we can connect with him. And so when we pray, what we're doing is once we put on the armour, we're saying we're turning to our commander-in-chief 
and looking for direction and guidance to what we should do next. That's what prayer is all about. The very fact that we put on armour is a, is a step of faith to say, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? How do you want me to deal with these challenges and difficulties I'm facing? So in some cases, we seek him for our needs and our difficulties. As, as Paul says in that passage, uh, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests and be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. So there's all kinds of prayers. There's prayers where we go to God with our needs and issues. There's other times where we go to God with other people's needs and issues and problems. And then sometimes prayer is just just going to God and letting it all out, warts and all, as horrible as it might seem. And that's okay as well. That's called lament. And it's okay to do that, to, to just say, God, it's too hard. But there, at the end of the day, what we're looking for is to keep us connected to God and, and understanding God's heart and mind and to gain his wisdom and strength when we pray. You see, prayer engages and involves God and there is nothing more important to our lives than us saying, God, I need your help. I can't do this on my own. And as I was preparing, I really just felt to focus on one significant aspect of prayer that we can never underestimate, and that's the, the prayer of praise. You see, being grateful to God in all things is critical. Sometimes we praise God after we receive some great answer to prayer, and we go, yeah, thank you, God. It's amazing. What a miracle. But the reality is most of the time, and the most important kind of praise is the praise when we give thanks to God in spite of an answer or a resolution, when we continue to thank God no matter what. Because the truth is God deserves our prayer no matter what basically because of everything he has already given us, which I went through, the armour. Consider what he's already done. He's, he's given us Jesus. He's made us right with God. He's made peace with, between us and God and with us and each other. He, he's, what are the other things that go out of my head? <laughs> he's given us his belt of truth he's given us his righteousness he's given us his peace he's given us faith he's given us salvation and he's given us his word and i want to close with one scripture to give you an idea of the importance of praise and it it might be a bit unusual to read but it's a psalm and in this psalm it shows us that you don't always have to have all the answers to praise god in Psalm 13, the writer says this, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? There's not much positive stuff in there, is there? Sounds like a lot of complaining to me. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. 
Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. So he's got this whole lament, this whole complaint, this whole, all this stuff. He's going, God, I don't know what's going on. Everything's a mess. Everything's terrible. Uh, all, the, all my enemies seem to be way ahead of me. But then in verse 5 and 6, he brings it all into perspective. Where he says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So even after all the complaints and all the difficulties and all the challenges, what does he say? He says really clearly, but, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. So he chooses the voice of praise. And as soldiers in his army, as we've put on his armour, and we pray, and then he calls us to pray. I believe praise and thanksgiving and gratitude are really the keys that will help us walk into all that God has for us. It's that humble aspect is where you can say, I don't understand what's going on, God. It all seems a mess, but I know you are God because you have made me right. You have given me peace. You've given me Jesus. You've given me truth. You've given me all these things. So I will trust in you. I will put my faith in you. Let's pray. As I pray, I just encourage you to, to consider and to reflect upon where you're at at the moment when it comes to God's armour. Maybe it's been a long time since you've focused on these things that God has given us because they are fundamentals, they are basics. But the reality is they're, they're foundations that we ground our life upon that we build our life upon and we can't take them for granted. Maybe in some ways you've taken them for granted and you just need to pray and say, God, I take up your armour again. I choose to, to remind myself daily of what you have given me, just as your armour represents. And I'd, I'd invite you to pray with me that kind of prayer as we embark on living for him. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you. I thank you for everything that your armour represents. And in this world and in this life that we live, we are in a battle. There's so much stuff going on that we don't fully understand. But what we do know is that you've given us everything we need to overcome. And God, I pray that you would help us stand firm. God, forgive us for not using your armour as we should or taking it for granted. But today we make a decision. I make a decision to walk in your armour, to stand in your armour and to fight with your armour on. That I'd stand in your truth and your righteousness and your peace and your faith 
and your salvation and your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Hopefully that blesses you that as you walk out today and as you live this week that you would be reminded to keep putting on that armour, remind yourself of that armour. It's really wonderful today to have Lonnie and Terence with us from the Aboriginal Berean Church. You know, remember these guys, they came a few years ago, or Lonnie did a few years back, as well as Terence, he's been here a few times. But uh, Lonnie spoke here, told his testimony, and he's been at Bible College for a couple of years and back in Adelaide, three years. He had, poor fellow had to go to Melbourne and then COVID hit, and so he lived basically in lockdown for three years in Melbourne. So. But he's an amazing young man, he's grown so much, and Terence, we love him too. It's great to have you guys with us. Also good to have Paul Fletcher with us at the back there, our long-lost son. He's uh, fantastic. So why don't you hang around and have a tea and coffee and encourage one another and stand with each other and uh, have a great week. God bless.